Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafel Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle. I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. I'm back. What's up? It's me, your non-binary peep, Jade. You can find me on Twitter at jadeoxidrose, and I use they, them pronouns. <laughs> We'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today we have a guest. Welcome back, Izzy. Hey. I'm Izzy. I use CCR pronouns. You can find me on Twitter at the Shandir, and I am happy to be back talking about my son and all the trauma he goes through. <laughs> uh if you hadn't guessed already, this is an axe book. Um, <laughs> I seem to only show up for those. <laughs> um, uh, it is number 18, The Decision. Um, it's a weird one. Mm. Some book-specific <laughs> content warnings before we get started. Uh, and a light military propaganda, because of course. Um, suicide before capture, as in, well, exactly what it sounds like. Um, sudden disappearances, uh, and questioning things as a result of that. Uh, active war zone, because they end up in one. Uh, and discussion of blood and bloodborne diseases, um, because of the uh, stupid <laughs> plan they come mm. up with. Yeah. <laughs> There is a totally, you know, there is a mosquito on the cover of this book. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, yeah, it's 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 as dumb as it sounds. Yeah, it's it is a ridiculous plan. It is widely regarded as fucking nonsense. <laughs> uh, but we're we're gonna we're gonna get into it. Uh, oh yeah. Any comments before we dive in? This felt love- very. Go on, go on, Izzy. No, you go. So, so this um after the last book left such a bad taste and brain feeling it felt really good to get back the characterization feels very strong uh yeah. in this book and yeah i just generally mm-hmm. left very strong narrative despite weird book it always feels like when we get a really strong book we have to get like a bullshit nugget in there just so you can't pass it off as good literature there always feels like there has to be a caveat like like the toilet microchips yeah but like there's always like oh this is a really strong book oh except for this one thing (laughs) and you know can't wait till we get to the inverse to have a shitty book with one real good bit in it like yeah yeah (laughs) i know it's coming yep i've been warned (laughs) <laughs> listen we've reached the point where like i have not read these books mm-hmm. before and so like i am with you jade i'm like i don't know what's gonna happen next except for some spoilers that i have been uh like i have absorbed over the years yeah let me tell you we're doing megamorphs in the time of dinosaurs after this one oh, uh, which is which is a fun ride with just the weirdest fucking topping on top of it. Uh, and then we have four books that will tear your soul out. Uh, and then we have... No, we have five books that will tear your soul out. Let's see. 
Yes. There's five books that will tear your soul out. One that's fucking ridiculous. And then another one that will tear your soul out. Yeah. The the next the next few are are really hard hitters, uh, except for the Helmicrons, which they're Helmicrons. Uh <laughs> <laughs> One thing I've learned in the course of this podcast is when Danielle freely admits that something is ridiculous or they don't like it <laughs> or it just is a bit, mm, I know it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Can't wait I to get there. <laughs> but that's a later book. It is a later yeah. book. We're in this book. Um, so, and this, I, I'm resisting the edge to go on a tangent about how Andalite names seem to have no connection between families. So there might be a naming convention in there I don't understand, but it bothers me nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So, either way, as Danielle already said, this is an Axe book. And as well as we uh, getting our usual sort of uh, spiel, we get this mention of the Ascalin incident mm -hmm. and how Axe and uh, the other Animorphs are the only ones who truly know what happened and on the war-torn planet Lyra, which um, was first mentioned in aforementioned Sharks with Microchips <laughs> book. Um, <laughs> anywho. <laughs> but we get this uh, first talk about uh, a traitor. Uh, amongst the Andalite people. And yeah, this sort of sets the tone for the book. Uh, cause mm -hmm. got acts, a lot of disbelief. I know it seems impossible even to conceive of Andalites as traitors. I know the very idea makes any decent Andalite sick inside, but I am telling you the truth. The Ascaline incident happened. We were betrayed by one of our own. And he swears by Elfangle's uh, name that uh, by his memory, my apologies, that everything he's about to say is true. So that's the uh, the heavy tone that we uh, start the book off and also then the explanation of how he goes by acts of the Animorphs because it's an easier thing to uh, wrap a human mouth around. Mm -hmm. um, and as we talk about uh, acts passing in as a human, <sighs> we have some... <laughs> We have some high-level fuckery slash yeah. comic relief. Um, I love my son. I love him. <laughs> I, I, like, it's one of those things, and I have mixed feelings about the use of Axe as comic relief. Because mm -hmm. it's normally either Axe or Marco. But mm -hmm. Marco opts to be the comic relief. Yes. Whereas with Axe, a lot of the time it feels like He's like fish out of water can be a little bit dicey regardless, but it does feel very like, oh, look, the alien did a funny thing. Yeah. He's kind of like the sitcom character that is just kind of the bumbling idiot. Yeah. Who Which does is things that's funny, but doesn't realize that they're doing them. I think it's one of those things that is an, as an adult and having more awareness of like tropes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's sort of one of those things that's easier to spot. Because as a kid, I probably would have thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Because kids do dumb shit all the time. It's I great. Mean, that, the I surface mean, adults, level of this, yeah. Mm. The surface level of this, I thought it was funny, but that's just because it's like surface level. It's like, yeah, this is basically physical comedy. This is funny. Mm. 
But then you start thinking about it more and it's like, wait, this isn't actually funny. Mm-hmm. But what happens is Axe, and credit to Axe for uh, taking some initiative here. Yeah. He is a smart kid. Yeah. He has put his human morph on and has gone to the Cinnabon at the mall. Now, we all know how he feels about Cinnabon. Um, but he's gone by himself and he is like, wants to effectively get one. And he knows enough about how this works, mm-hmm. but not quite enough to actually pull it off. But the yep. uh, the manager at this Cinnabon, when this strange kid shows up just being like, I, I want one. I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, if you clear some tables for us, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I can give you something. Like, this manager clearly feels a bit sorry for him, like mm-hmm. worries that maybe he's not got enough food to eat or whatever like yes. that. Like, a very much an act of, like, arguably compassion from this Cinnabon manager. Mm-hmm. And Axe, who we know has a predilection for eating pretty much anything, uh, proceeds to start clearing tables with abandon. Uh eating leftovers which would be less of an issue until he tries to take the food or does take the food from a couple that have literally just brought their cinnamon <laughs> oh bless yep yep <laughs> i just i wanna i wanna point this this bit out because i think it's really funny uh, just because of the way humans are about condiments yep mm. and it's uh, along with the liquids was a square of crumpled paper. Smeared inside the paper was a reddish semi-liquid product. I licked it. It was fine, but not wonderful. <laughs> like, oh, Axe doesn't like ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> this is somebody that praises the taste of cigarette butts. So yeah. I love the, the uh, yeah. unimpressed reaction to ketchup. It's really yep. good. Yep. <laughs> um. Uh. But after he tries, he takes the food from these. This couple, the manager. Come, goes over again just like offers to replace their food and she brings Axe over just like look come with me if you're that hungry here's a tray of buns you can help yourself yeah, they're a bit stale uh <laughs> sure son go ahead and have one let me make I one love- final point clear here <laughs> this is this this is gold this yes. is the funny I like <laughs> yes human mouth good. sound language is very fuzzy at times <laughs> have one she'd said one mouthful, one bun, one tray. <laughs> it was certainly not my fault if there was any confusion. Oh my god. <laughs> and that's incredible because we then switch to the perspective of Marco telling the story to the others. Mm-hmm. Just so like, hey, I'm <laughs> just like, there I am. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got here. No. But either way, he's telling this story about getting his own taco and he notices the paramedics at the food court and this crowd gathered around the Cinnabon and Marco being like, okay. Uh, he just knew. He knew somehow the Axeman was involved. <laughs> Though I, I do appreciate Axe's commentary on humor. Mm-hmm. as well it just i think they have to resort to humor it helps them deal with the embarrassment of being so wobbly on their two ridiculous <laughs> legs but what's interesting is that axe is kind of right about marco's use of humor he just is coming mm-hmm. at it from the wrong perspective yep. so i yep. like that little bit of insight there um yeah uh and we learned that axe ate or attempted to eat the entire tray of cinnamon buns uh, and made himself extremely sick. I love this. I was, I felt 
I had to say something. I was not aware of the precise specifications for human stomachs. It seems there is some sort of limit on the quantity that may be consumed. Passing that limit caused an unpleasant sensation in the stomach area. It also caused me to become dizzy. <laughs> and it's just bless. Bless this boy. Um, These, but, they, need an, they need an adult in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need an adult. Yeah. They need, but, um, they, they need an adult. Yeah. But we get our introductions to the characters. And I do appreciate that Jake is referred to as Prince Jake, even in, like, Axe's head. Mm-hmm. Which kind of becomes sad later. And even here, arguably. But, like, the implications of it register more later. But the fact that he... Says it in his head as well as out loud. Yeah. Is not just when addressing Jake is pretty cool. Um, I also really the- like mm-hmm. I really like the like every single axe book, the way that he describes everybody is very like basic and almost scientific. Mm-hmm. Um like he just describes like uh like Rachel is female, she has gold hair and blue eyes, she is tall for her age. <laughs> Tobias is a hawk and has no lips. (laughs) I love how Andalites read blonde hair as gold. Yeah. Because obviously they wouldn't necessarily have the word blonde either. But there's just something about that that's very pleasing to my brain. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Marco has dark hair, dark eyes, um, and he's shorter than some humans of his age. We stand (laughs) a short king. Um... Rachel is tall for her age. Uh, Cassie is no taller than Marco, just, <laughs> yeah. um, and interested in animals. And I like that we get Axe going, by animals, humans mean all animals aside from themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gang are gathered at the edge of Cassie's farm waiting for uh, Eric the Chi. And yep. um, a bit of, uh, bit of, mm-hmm. He's bringing them some information. Uh which I think, um, it, this isn't the first time he's done this, right? No, because he, he did with, yeah, it's a second. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so they have, they have the unease built from, uh, uh, book 10 when he tore apart everything with his bare goddamn hands. Um, <laughs> but they haven't, they haven't quite yet developed the unease of, oh, Eric is the one who brings us fucking terrible news. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was doing that just like, oh, if Eric's coming to tell them something, it's going to be bad. Yes, yes. Um, um, I do love the note here about uh, time. Mm. Prince oh, Jake l- looked at his watch. Humans are always lost in time. They are constantly certain that it is later or earlier than they thought. I have never known a human to say, oh, look, it's exactly what time I thought it was. Prince Jake said, I was about to mention that Eric was late, but I guess it's still earlier than I thought it was. You see what I mean. (laughs) God. But we have uh, Eric show up exactly on time, of course. Mm -hmm. That's not me. That's in the text. Yep. Uh, Jake asks Tobias for the all clear. Um, which Tobias uh, does, he flies off to do his thing. And Eric's just like, please, do you think I came alone? Uh, The people are spread out. Tobias isn't going to spot them. And Jake is just like, oh, want to put some money on that? Tobias (laughs) lands like, all clear. And Jake's just like, you didn't see anything at all? 
sounding disappointed. Well, I saw two Chi projecting tree holograms and another one trying to pass himself off as a rock, but nothing to worry about, which is just a choice moment. <laughs> um, everyone laughs, including Eric. And so I was just like, this is, these are my woods. Mm-hmm. Like, I will notice if there's something here that isn't normally here. Yep. And uh, Eric does his little bow to Tobias. He's like, remind me never to underestimate you, Brother Hawk, which is just, Mwah. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. But then uh, shit has to get real because <laughs> the second ranking guy in the Secret Service got hit by a car. <laughs> um, Not just any car. Oh, no. Oh, no. Chapman's car. <laughs> Hewlett overshot yes. the third, who is now uh, uh, in a coma. And conveniently, none of his family, not his boss, know where he is. This hospital's heavily infiltrated by Yerks. His name isn't even on the hospital computers. Oh, it was a minivan driven by Chapman. My yeah. apologies. Um, and they were like, okay, well, we've got to check this out. There is just Why? so much bizarre about that whole setup. Yeah. It's... Why is he in California or the West Coast or wherever the fuck they are? Like, why? I keep thinking they're in, like, like in Washington. <laughs> mm. I mean, I guess I guess you have the plausible deniability they could be in D.C. Mm. Yes. But maybe he's mm. on vacation? Maybe he's on vacation. That is arguably... A- Regardless, it is very hecking convenient, but they knew this guy was going to be on town, so Chapman hit him with a minivan so he would end up at a specific hospital. Did yeah. they not think this through? Did they not realize that when you hit somebody with a fucking car that, mm-hmm. you know, they get more hurt than, like, you want them to be and human technology is not good enough to fix fix them like they I mean, need to be if they get badly hurt. Maybe he just meant to like break his leg or something. You know, I was gonna say I feel like wheel dig a car, like a fucking car is a weapon. It's an imprecise art. Takes many yes. decades to master. <laughs> <laughs> Only hurts somebody a little bit. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Chapman doesn't actually have the experience of driving a spaceship anymore. Yeah, no, he uh, he basically hit this dude a little too hard, and that's going to cause some grief later. But for now, the gang are spying, uh, taking shifts as seagulls to perch on a window at the hospital. Marco making jokes about Hewlett Aldershot III. Yep. Yeah, I do. Which is, Which is it's a name. It is a name. <laughs> it sure is a name. Like, I don't understand Hewlett Aldershot. Okay, that's a weird name, but it's probably like old money East Coast. Mm-hmm. I get, I can get it. Hewlett Aldershot the third is the name of like a wasp. Yeah, that's somebody who went to like Harvard or Yale and is like, oh, I went to Harvard. Like mm-hmm. bullshit. I become part of the Secret Service. Who knows? Who knows? Mm. Well, I do. He- I, I do appreciate Marcus. Like maybe just Chapman ran down this guy because he hated the name. <laughs> <laughs> and which Rachel was why? Because this is Marco, uh, Rachel, and Axe, and I want to know who decided on those teams because that means it's mm-hmm. Jake and Cassie hanging out. Mm-hmm. Just saying, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> just giving uh, him a look into a camera that isn't there. Yeah, um, you know, you know. 
Uh, but uh. Rachel is protesting about why she has to be on missions with Marco. And he's just like, why shouldn't I talk? Why shouldn't I make conversations? We've been here for an hour and a half. Oh, just an hour and a half? Feels like longer. And then Axe helpfully points out it's only been an hour and 18 minutes. <laughs> One of your hours and 18 minutes. Mm. <laughs> and then we have uh, Mark is just like, you know, they're really your hours too. This is Earth. You're stuck here. Go ahead and set your watch to local time. Uh, Marco was bored. We all were. But Marco gets snappish when he's bored. And I always like when Axe gets to be uh, insightful about people. Um, but also, um, and I heard this, one, I always like to see evidence of neurodivergent Marco. Because, mm -hmm. yes, good. And two, I like that it's not judgmental. Like we were, you were saying about, uh, Izzy, about how the descriptions are almost scientific, mm -hmm. like an observer. It's the same here. He's not giving a judgment quality to the fact that Marco gets pissy when he's bored. Mm -hmm. Like he's not just offended by he it. Does. He's like, this no. is just Marco. Yeah. Yep. And I like to ship it. <laughs> same. <laughs> yep. Uh, but Marco's getting snappish because he's bored. And oh, they're also seagulls. They're also seagulls. They are, they're sitting on the windowsill as seagulls because seagulls are pretty nondescript. Um, Which just pays, because to be fair, that's how I know this isn't a uh, more urban setting because otherwise they'd be pigeons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this uh, is clearly like a more coastal sort of town. We know about the yes. beach. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, Rachel's complaining because she would rather be shopping. Uh, so she goes and flies around so that they don't look quite as suspicious as three birds sitting there for an hour and a half. Um, uh, and then, uh, someone goes, comes into, into Hewlett Aldershot's room. Uh, I'm just going to call him secret service guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, come into <laughs> secret service guys. That's not much easier to say. Uh, secret dude's room. Uh, man. and it's a human that they recognize. Vista uh, three is here. Vista three is always, always, always here. <laughs> This is the only time Vista 3 shows up in this book, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That is this scene. He's not in it yeah. again. This is the uh, possibly the earliest in a book we get our Vista 3. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then he just, you know, fucks off. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, let me be clear. This is kind of a... All right, so we have this, and they're, the kids are immediately like battle stations. Uh, Marco's just like, get the others. We've got company. Mm -hmm. um, and I like we have this little visual of uh, making use of how seagulls have their eyes on the sides of the head so he doesn't have to look like he's looking in the window. He just mm -hmm. has to be like standing sideways to it. Mm -hmm. So um, Marco points out the uh, significance of Visa 3 being in human morph. Mm -hmm. um, but does demorph in this room in front of a couple of the doctors, which right. uh, acts says like he's clearly super comfortable here because otherwise he wouldn't do it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we also um, get a lot of mm -hmm. we get a lot of acts um you know berating himself still for having not destroyed viscer three in the past mm -hmm. yeah like buddy but um viscer three is pissed so you know it's a tuesday um <laughs> it's a day with a y in it uh, and he decapitates one of these doctors with his tail plate. <laughs> Just mm -hmm. straight up, head goes rolling along the floor. Which I was uh, like, dang. Yeah. The he's he is 
ordering that these controllers fix Secret Service guy. Uh, because he needs to wake up from the coma because they need to infest him. Uh, and what are they going to do if they can't, if, if they can't do that? Um, and Prince Jake and Cassie show up to back up, uh, the others. Um, uh, just in time to hear Visser 3, uh, say that, well, if they can't use him as a host, then he's going to acquire him and morph him, um, I can't spend all my time in his form. I can't live his life, but using him, I can get close to his superior. I can use this morph to seize her instead. Um, uh, I spoke too soon. I misread the line. He doesn't actually decapitate anybody, but he could have very easily. Either way, he, very threatening. Yeah, he does hit this guy with his tail and fling him across the room, though. Yeah, there's also like a mention about like um, the Secret Service dudes, like. Uh, like spinal cord, mm. and I'm like, like his brain stem, and I'm like, this man probably suffered a very traumatic brain injury from yep. the car crash, which is why he's in a, a coma. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, we can't fix those that easy. But it yep. tracks that Vista Three doesn't have a human morph, doesn't mm -hmm. understand. Well, he does have a human morph, but he probably doesn't spend a lot of time in it, mm -hmm. and the human doesn't necessarily yeah. know a lot about human anatomy. It's not mm -hmm. the same as, as a yerk controlling a human where you have access to that information. Mm, exactly. A little bit that. easier. Because, like, in Morph, like, yeah, they know how this creature is supposed to move and stuff like that, but they don't have that same, like, knowledge of how, yeah. like, mm -hmm. they know, like, if, like, if this happened, I would be extremely hurt kind of thing. Because, mo like, it's usually instincts and, like, in body mm -hmm. impulses and not information mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so Mr. 3 just like I don't care fix it it can be fixed and the human controllers are like uh yep. but um, yep. he, ha he has his backup plan and the doctors are clearly just like yeah yeah we're not in the shit and it just that's when one of them gets knocked across the room and then Axe gets spotted mm -hmm. and moves out of sight and this is just like one stalk eye and then two stalkers. He's definitely been spotted and everyone's like, uh, this is bad. Marco realizes as well that he's been eyeballed. Um, and that's when the window explodes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Jake is like shouting orders. What's that shouting? He's pretty chill. Actually. He's just like, right, this is what we do. Don't behave suspiciously. Act like gulls. He doesn't know you're not just a normal seagull. Uh, yeah, and, but um, then the window explodes. Uh, he, Axe and Marco are kind of sent tumbling, uh, because what comes out of the window is a caffet bird, uh, which is a bird that is native to the Andalite homeworld. Uh, this throws Axe off a lot. Uh, like he, he, he blue screens at seeing this bird. Um, uh, but he comes to and, uh, gives and he doesn't give chase. He is chased um, by the Caffet bird. Jake is like, "All right, everyone, help Axe. Uh, he can't take all of us." Um, but Axe is like, "No, if you attack him, then he'll know for sure that you're not just birds." Um, uh, Axe does but, some pretty dope ass flying. 
Yeah. Uh, making use of the way seagulls are very good at like tight corners and things like that yeah. and being smaller. He's not as fast, but he is more maneuverable and does a couple of tricks. But uh, Visa 3 quickly uh, cottons mm-hmm. on to what was mm-hmm. happening. And um, alas, Tobias isn't high enough to do a, a dive as the mm-hmm. one of them who could attack a bird as another bird. Yep. But uh, he's stuck in some dead air and can't get involved. Yep. And we have uh, this incredible moment of just like, the, the visual of this is just incredible good, but they're being watched uh, by a crowd and we have this visual of him like darting between two interlocked arches and I was like, oh my God, but in the good way. It's yeah. the golden arches um, of a McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm, exactly that. But that visual of like a seagull being mm-hmm. chased by a cafe bird through the arches of a McDonald's is pretty sick, I will yep. say. Yeah. Uh, but he takes a corner too fast, clips his wing, and goes tumbling. Um, so uh, he lands on a roof um, and starts demorphing as fast as he can. The viscer also lands on the roof and starts demorphing as fast as he can. Um, and then uh, they step out to face each other as two Andalites. Um, Axe uh, basically challenges Visser 3 to a duel um, and is heartened by the fact that uh, he sees fear in the Visser's eyes. Um, and... Uh, I'm just a battle to the death on a roof of a McDonald's. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's, oh, it is an, it is an image. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, um, uh, yeah, you highlighted in the dog, didn't you, Daniel, about, like... Mm-hmm. Um, Visser 3 pulling on Aloran's memories, or even mm-hmm. his own, actually, thinking about yeah. it. But both. Because mm-hmm. both Aloran and Visser 3 has memories of what Elfangor was like in Battle with the Tailblade. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's similar to uh, what we saw um, in the center of the Time Matrix world universe, um, where Elfangor and Visser 3 finally face each other uh, to fight tail to tail, and Visser Three just backs off, um, because he's a coward. He is a coward. Um, yeah, he's also he's despite the fact that he's a dumbass, he's very smart. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I was you say, can be he's smart always, and also a dumbass. He's yeah, yeah with it's that int versus wisdom dichotomy. Mm-hmm. But his problem is his arrogance. Most of the time is what makes him make bad mm-hmm. choices. Mm-hmm. He's very he doesn't good usually at... have to fight. Yeah, yeah, no, he he use he fights smart, not hard. Yes. Yeah. He definitely is running off of like people's fear of how Andalites fight. Yes. Because like I made this note here, it's like instinctually an Andalite probably knows how to fight. So like Aloran knows how to fight, but Visser 3 does not know how to fight like an Andalite the same way. Like can pull on it, can do it. But also, you know this bitch hasn't been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> and we also know that Aloran fights. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like he would make it easy yeah. for Visa 3 to. Yeah, it's, it's easier to make a. It's easier uh, to make a very tiny adjustment in the middle of a tail fight that gets you, that gets, mm. uh, you killed, you know? Like, because we know that. Uh, uh, 
hosts can fight against their yurks. We've saw it with mm-hmm. Chapman and such. Yeah. Um, but it takes enormous effort. Um, and we know that Aloran is pretty beat down at this point because it's been years and years. Yeah. Um, but it is feasible to imagine that he could muster enough effort to like just pull one muscle half an inch and that could mean the difference in a tail fight between life and death because yeah, uh, their their tail blades move so fast exactly like um and they're very precise yeah hmm. which um, is but- wild the amount of training that they have to do to do that hmm. like i know some of it is probably just inherent but it's also like getting that precision mm-hmm. in the same way cuz like even snakes have to practice killing things Mm-hmm. And it's like, Jesus. And again, you know, Visitor 3 hasn't kept up with that fucking training. <laughs> he can turn into giant monsters. Why would he need to? Which yes. is what he tends to do in fights. Mm-hmm. Is he'll go yeah. for what his own battle morphs, as it were. But he knows um, that if he starts morphing in this moment, like, he's dead. Because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the time Pretty it takes. But, idiot um, coward. Yeah, but we've got this face off. Uh, you know. <laughs> Fistful of Dollars music plays in the background. Um, <laughs> amongst the blowing fans and the smell of grease and fried meat, Visser 3 and I stood face to face. The others land. Rachel's obviously like, let's demorph, clearly ready to fight. Jake's the one that points out, no, we can't. There's not enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, can only, we can't demorph unless we're sure Visser 3 isn't going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel's just like, if we demorph, he won't. Um, <laughs> I love Rachel so much. Axe points out that they can't take the chance if he loses, if he learns that the uh, others are human, uh, it's not worth it. Or every, the li- their lives will be worthless and he can avenge Elfangor on his own. I appreciate that, like, Rachel's like, we gotta fight. And Jake's like, okay, th- we can only do it if this is the case. It's Cassie that's like, we can't do this here. Mm hmm. People below saw a six-winged bird come up here and that somebody is going to go look. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake asks if Axe can back off without getting hurt because they don't want the fight. Uh, Axe is torn uh, because he is rightly afraid. Uh, Aloran this- is bigger than him. His tail yeah. has a longer reach. He's taller. Um, like, it, it is... Visser 3, despite his uh, lack of practice, has the advantage here. He's the he's an adult. Like, Aloran yeah. is an adult Andalite, and Axe is a teenager. Yeah. Like, a young teenager. He's not done growing. He's not as practiced. He's probably got a little bit more agility because of that. Mm-hmm. But that's his only advantage here, is being agile and small enough to duck under certain attacks. Yeah. But otherwise, like, he can just get pinned pretty mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's afraid, but also he did see the look of fear in the Visser's eyes. Um, and realize, and the Visser knows that he's in a trap and he's facing a battle to the death where the odds are favorable to him, but not overwhelmingly favorable to him. It's not a guaranteed win and he doesn't get into fights. He doesn't think he can win. Yeah. Uh, they... There's a quick exchange of uh, tailblade strikes, uh, but in the confusion of it, 
Aloran just fucking runs over to the edge of the building and jumps off the wall, like jumps into a dumpster below. Um, and, uh, he breaks his leg in the fall, but he's already morphing to human as fast as he can. Uh, Visser 3 gets away. Um, it's like this... smart, not hard. Yep. Yeah. There's this, this, like, and throughout the book, this is a thing that worries me. And through, I guess it's just going to keep happening throughout the rest of the series. Is the, like, Axe is constantly, like, arguing with himself about like Visser 3 and like how he should not continue to let Visser 3 get away but mm-hmm. it's it's the line like I wanted to see more of that fear from him I wanted to see the terror as I pressed my tailblade against his throat that ruthlessness is kind of scary mm-hmm. in, in a kid yeah but I know it's also like Andalites were raised to be like that and it's mm, also, He's... I I don't think it can be like overlooked about like Visser three took his brother from him. Yeah, yeah. Like we are inherent. Like a lot. Okay. Generally speaking, humans, for example, are pretty. We're pretty possessive of the yeah. people we love. Yeah. Axe is grieving, mm-hmm. and seeing his brother's murderer, and not because of because of that culture cultural thing about how if someone does like her takes a family member you are like it's your job it's your duty to them yeah. to take friend like his parents have already said you don't have to do that i feel that was the vibe i got they just sort of like understood societally this is what it says you should do mm-hmm. but, but it's against visitor three and they don't want to lose another son exactly yeah. um but axe is like no i have to do this because then I would be basically essentially disrespecting Elfangor's life mm-hmm. if he didn't. Even though Elfangor would probably also say, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just keeps being a problem. Because <laughs> X is just, uh, he thinks too much. And I know why. I was going to say. I know it's... why he thinks too much. But I'm just like, baby, baby boy. I was going to say, it's an interesting um, parallel to Cassie in that regard, mm-hmm. is that when he has time to think is when he has, the, he has trouble because he has that awareness and that emotional intelligence like Cassie does. His is just calibrated slightly differently because he comes from a different culture, so is skewed by different teaching and morals, but he is very much like Cassie in that regard. Yeah, and um, uh, and I'll I'll talk about it more later. But there's something about um a parallel with one of the other, and also I want to talk about it later. But I will uh, expand on that later on. Mm. So yeah, we cut to later that night as Axe is running across the far pastures of Cassie's ranch, uh, feeding. Um, we get the description of it being a wet night, and he is actually picking up worms along with the grass as he runs. Um, which I which love is just... the detail about extra protein, which means, yeah. but it also that too much protein will keep him awake. Yeah, yeah. I just like mm, good little. That's a mm, law. <laughs> like to know about the biology of aliens. Yes, good. Is protein <laughs> caffeine? exactly that kind of question but um 
while he runs and he eats, like there's also this very much a vibe of he he's trying to outrun his feelings. Yes. It's mm-hmm. a trope that you see a lot. Some characters mm-hmm. run, some swim, some like hit a punching bag, but it's very much got that vibe. The fact that it's raining as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's good. It's it's tropetastic and delicious, mm-hmm. but it's it's the kind of thing that we've seen before. Um, but what I really like about this is he's thinking about what he needs to do. Um, and, but he talks about finding a ritual here, uh, about fi- he likes to find the home star at night, how it's been like an unofficial ritual for him. And we've heard talk about how Andalite life ha- is full of rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way to remind himself that there's a place for him in the galaxy, that he might not be there, but it does exist. And then we start to see, which is again, the central thesis of this book is him being torn between, um, being an Andalite. And the experiences he has on Earth, he can see the lights of Cassie's uh, house and remembers being morphed into as Jake and having dinner there. But it's like, it's a treasured memory, dinner with Cassie. I mean, I mean, not morphing Prince Jake. Sometimes when I'm alone in the woods and thinking about home, I find myself thinking about that evening instead. And this, I think, is another calling back to the fact that this is a child mm-hmm. away from the people that love him most. And he is like latching onto these memories and these new experiences where he gets to feel part of something. And there's also like, because he was at dinner with Cassie's family, there was that feeling of like being around the warmth of like a family environment that mm-hmm. probably reminded him of being with his family as well. Yeah. In mm. similar situations. And it's like, Ugh. yeah, he's, he's afraid that he has changed too much being on earth and that he won't, he won't feel at home when he goes back home. Mm-hmm. And especially when he's going over and over again, this failure to kill Visser Three, even though he's arguing just like you couldn't have, you couldn't have. He was he's bigger than you. You would have lost. Um, and just like that push and pull of his own thoughts. Um, yeah. And I do like that we have this line: "I'd be a fool not to be frightened," but I didn't run. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's come to a stop at Tobias's meadow. And I do like that Tobias is grumpy right now. It's very good. Yeah, because to get woken up. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, it's just like oh, he I... is somewhat harsh when awakened. It is a human characteristic <laughs> he has not lost. Um, but what what were you going to say, Izzy? I just I want to talk for a moment about how Axe is arguing with himself and the culture he grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I made a note about it because I wanted to talk about it, but I'm not going to talk on it a lot because. Everybody knows my feelings on the, the the military complex and military culture, military propaganda. But the way that this affects his thinking, and I've had like this argument with myself before to a degree, because like there was a point in my life where I was going to enter the military. I was looking at joining the Navy. Um, I am so glad I didn't. <laughs> but like the the this the struggle to realize like he's allowed to be afraid while still doing something uh, versus like this training that says, no, Andalites are fearless. If you show fear, that is a weakness. Unlike 
his his brain just telling him like you're a coward mm-hmm. you didn't kill him you're a coward but axe being like no i'm not i didn't run viscer three did uh, but i know that even after he thought that his brain was still like that doesn't matter like it's not put there but there's that unspoken like that doesn't matter in his brain yeah and it's just him trying to find the right thing to do that doesn't like basically tear him emotionally in half mm-hmm. uh because he just doesn't know how to reconcile these feelings with what he knows all his life with the culture he grew up in with what he thinks he is supposed to feel like as a military kid you don't show that you miss your parents when they're not there right you're supposed to be proud of them they're overseas right and like if you only grieve and miss them when they die and it's difficult to reconcile that facade that you feel like you have to put up because everybody around you expects you to, you know, be proud of them and be like, you know, glad that they're a part of this. But also inside you're like, but I want them home. I want them here. I miss them. They're not here for me. And it's not a one-to-one, but it's that same kind of like pull against emotions and what's expected of you. Mm. And like, I had people I could talk to about this. Axe doesn't have anybody he can talk to about this whatsoever. Like, he can talk to every, like, his friends about this, but he, they won't understand in the same way. Like, I can't talk to somebody who wasn't raised, like, in a military family about this in the same way where they will understand intrinsically what's going on. They won't understand that feeling of, like, having to put on, like, that facade and being like, no, yeah, my dad's overseas. It's fine. It's not like he's in an active war zone or anything. It's fine. Um, but talking to other military kids, like if Axe had another Andalite to talk to that understood what was going on, he might have an easier time. But he doesn't have that. He is alone. I think as these books mm-hmm. continue to just beat into the ground, Axe is alone. And I think, like you giving that explanation really does pay dividends later when you see Axe's immediate sort of desire to when he is around and like culture mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Spoilers what happens later in the book. And his readiness to be like, this is what I know. These people understand me. And the sheer anger of some of the animorphs because they don't understand. Yeah, they don't understand. I'm interrupting for just a moment. There is a cardinal outside of my window and I just noticed it. <laughs> Hello, friend. Bright red boy. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Bird. Um, <laughs> it's the right podcast recording to be excited about <laughs> seeing a bird outside the window. Let's be clear here. It's, oh, he's but, gone. Uh, yeah. uh, but Tobias recognizes that something is really bothering Axe. I love um, that. It's just like, my dude, you're running through the woods. Because <laughs> uh, he says, you're stewing, aren't you? And Axe is like, uh, what does that mean? And Tobias is like, stewing, going over things again and again in your head, around and around in circles, asking yourself the same questions again and again, then starting all over again. How did you know? And then uh, Tobias tries to connect with Axe. Um, and he says, the first time I saw Visser 3, 
I cried. I was so scared. Um, and Axe is like, well, he was an alien. He was unfamiliar to you. Um, and Tobias is like, well, Althanger was an alien too. He didn't scare me. Visser 3 scared me because he exudes that dread. Um, like a smell almost. This feeling. Um, like I was looking at something that needed to be destroyed. He was evil. I felt it. And I had this horrible understanding, this knowledge that one way or the other, the, that evil was going to touch me and change me. So I just cried. And Axe, Axe is just not accepting it's uh, the facade. this reassurance. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just like, well, I've met Visser 3 before. I shouldn't have been afraid. Uh, and Tobias is like, well, wh- what could you have possibly done? And Axe is like, I could have forced the fight. And what if you'd lost? What if I won? Uh, it would have been a terrible blow against the Yerks. I would have avenged Elfangor. I would have done a great service to my people. Look, Axe, you went up against him. He backed down, not you. He was surrounded and outnumbered. I, he thought each of you was another Andalite warrior ready to demorph and attack. He retreated with honor. Honor. He's a cold-blooded killer. He's an invader in someone else's land. He's just another gangster. Murderers don't have honor. Um, and Axe changes the subject. I should let you go back to sleep. Okay. You want to drop it? It's dropped. I love Tobias's, like, perceptiveness. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to Axe. Yeah. Um, it makes me sad that, like, because Tobias is, is the only other person that Axe can actually, like, open up to. Mm-hmm. Because Tobias is also, you know, alone. He's the odd one out here as the Nothlet. Mm-hmm. Um but this particular thing he can't talk about with Tobias because Tobias still won't get it in the same way. Like it's in this conversation, you can feel Axe going, Tobias doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. He does not understand. I wish this was how it was, but he does not understand that that's not how this works. But what it's interesting to me about that is that Tobias does. He is just offering a perspective on it that Axe isn't ready to hear. Yeah. And that... This is some peak autistic talking to autistic people. It's mm-hmm. really good. Um, and really sad. It hurts me. Yeah. But Tobias is doing the thing just like, this is my experience with this feeling, and this is why. Mm-hmm. And Tobias is being as supportive as he can. And he does this consistently through this book. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And while They're friends. We, yeah. They're, they're shorms. shorms. They're yeah. shorms. Which he acts, has described him as such. And we've talked, and I, I've seen it highlighted, there's a couple of instances where Tobias, other than Jake, who is obviously Axe's prince, who he looks to for direction, Tobias is the person he looks for or looks to. Mm-hmm. and Tobias in return is trying to be there for Axe and even though there's an instance later where we will go well Tobias not really the same but also mm-hmm. he's offering yes. that to Axe yes. and there's something he is desperately excuse me loud motorbikes in the neighbourhood <laughs> oh no it's a helicopter that's yep. worse it, uh, there's a military base near here so mm-hmm. Again, um, worse. <laughs> mm. um, but there is something about Tobias is desperately trying to meet Axe at least halfway, if not mm-hmm. come to him. And Axe is stonewalling him. Yes. Yeah. Because, it's... and what we were saying, and please hold on to that thought because I just told you everyone, but 
because this is the expression of him being torn between Andalite and human. Because mm-hmm. while Tobias is also arguably not quite human anymore, if he opens up to Tobias and accepts Tobias's reasoning, that's one step further away from the Andalite way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. That's mm-hmm. one step further away from what he understands as family. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, no, this is about honor. She's like, that's not honor. She's like, no, I need, I need my social scripts. I don't know how to make sense of the world any other way. Mm-hmm. And you're not helping by telling me my script is wrong. Yes. That is yes. not helpful to me right now. Yes. Like, uh, I put a pin in my other thought. It's like whenever Jake asks him not to call him Prince. And, like, it becomes a little bit of a joke between them. But also, like, Axe needs to have a Prince. He does not understand how to function without it. Like, if he wasn't an, uh... I think that he would feel more comfortable not having a prince because, like, you don't have a prince when you're not a warrior. You just have, like, teachers and, like, mm-hmm. your your parents and family and the people who are older than you. You have your elders. And then you become, you go into training. Yeah. And then you have a prince. And you have to have a prince if you have this title. Yes. And he it's- still has that title. It has not been stripped from him. Yeah. It's it's exactly what Jade said. It's he's clinging to these scripts because he doesn't know what to do without them. Yeah. Um but I think it is important to point out that Tobias is very right here. Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he's very 100%. Right. And not not just like from a human perspective. I think if you told another Andalite what happened, mm. the vast majority of them aside for a few outlier assholes would be like no, you acted with honor. Like that man is a coward, uh, uh, and you you could not have been expected to, uh, just like press the attack without any concern for anything else in that situation. Um, yeah. And it reminds me very much. Um, a very dear friend of mine uh, once described depression to me. It's it's your brain lying to you. Uh-huh. It it yeah. It just over and over and over again. It's your brain lying to you about everything. Um, and it's, it reminds me of that where mm-hmm. when you like, even if you're arguing with your own brain or you're talking to someone, um, when you're depressed and they will tell you the truth and your brain, it's like a, a reflex. Mm-hmm. So no, that, that's not right. No, that's not true. Yeah. That no, can't be right, because if it's right, then my world doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know depression is a lying liar who lies, but dear God, is it a loud voice in the back of my head? Yes. Yeah. And um, and that's that's very much what I get from this, is just mm-hmm. like, un- unable to accept the truth that, that Tobias is, yeah. is giving. And also, I feel like this is, and the the argument that Axe is having with himself, this conversation with Tobias, this is the first hint of the other sort of recurring motif in here. It's just like, the Andalite way is not necessarily the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, it is, and certainly it is not the only way. And to return to the scripts analogy, Axe is slowly having to learn new scripts. Mm-hmm. And seeing that they can be better. And, and 
what's great is that we see other Andalites doing the same. We saw it with Alfangor giving the morphing power to these children. Time and time again, what we see is Andalites going against what they're expected to do or the done thing. And things are better as a result. Mm-hmm. Or things that need to happen happen as a result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Axe changes the subject uh, and he tells Tobias the other thing that's bothering him, which is that Visser 3 morphed the Caffet bird, uh, which is a bird from the Andalite homeworld. Um, and Tobias rightly uh, gets that Axe is thinking that Visser 3 must have been on the Andalite homeworld in order to acquire it. This is not true. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but this exchange is important, and it, it goes into more of exactly what we've been talking about here. Um, and Axe says, yes, I'm worried that the Abomination has set foot in the Andalite homeworld. I felt Tobias grow tense. Now he was beginning to understand. But he said, sometimes people must take animals off the homeworld, right? Uh... Like a, a zoo or someone totally innocent takes one of these birds off your planet, they get hijacked or whatever, and it ends up in Viser 3's hands. I wanted to believe it was possible, so I said, yes, that could be it. But I didn't believe it. I believed that Viser 3 had either been to my world or that some ally, ally of his had been there. Either way, it meant only one thing. The Yerks had begun to reach into the one safe place in the galaxy, my home. Now... This isn't true. Like, canonically, it's not true. You fucked up, (laughs) K.A. Super not true. Because the thing is, uh, when uh, Andalite warriors go through the academy and learn how to morph, uh, they acquire the Caffet Bird as one of the first morphs that they can get. They get, like, a choice. They get to acquire the Caffet Bird or the Chadu, which we'll learn about later. Um, And so a lot of Andalites... Choose the Caffet Bird because it's an awesome bird. Um, it can fly, <laughs> and it's Why like super you dangerous. Fly! It's 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 badass, and it flies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it is extremely likely that Aloran, before he was infested, had the Caffet Bird morph. Is it possible that he didn't? through something or another, like maybe uh, because he got the morphing power late in his career, uh, it changed something because it, it was a relatively new technology by the time he was already like in command of things. Like maybe he just didn't get that, that experience of acquiring something, but he had to practice on something. Yeah. Mm. Like couldn't have just been like, yeah, no, this is fine. Yeah, because we know that he was like aware with aware of and pretty comfortable with morphing by the time mm-hmm. he had his adventure with Elfangor. So and got infested. So he must have practiced with something. It stands to reason that he probably practiced with a caffet bird. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just uh potholes. Which is yes. to say Aloran already had this morph when he was infested. Almost, mm-hmm. like, with 99% certainty. Yeah. Uh, but also in Axe's defense, like, he is just a kid. 
Yeah. And he could just not be thinking about that whatsoever. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that I would happily accept. But mm-hmm. they just, the way the point goes on, mm-hmm. even if they just tweaked it slightly, just say the thought of Mrs. Mm-hmm. Three on the Andalite homeworld is so yes. wrong. That yes. in and of itself would be compelling enough. Mm-hmm. Because it's really fucking stupid what it gets to do. Because even the explanation we get of the plot, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say stupid. Just it's just like so that had no bearing on Vista Three having a cafe bird either. That that wouldn't explain how he got yeah. it. Yeah, you fuck you. Yeah. No, yeah, I know it's... why Visser Three used it against mm-hmm. Axe yes. because there are definitely probably Andalites who have the morphing power who didn't mm-hmm. get the cafe bird and were like yeah. in the field or something and were like, hey. Go get a thing and practice, like, within the yeah. next ten minutes, because uh, we gotta go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, for all intents and purposes, like, also, Axe has been through that part of training and acquired the morphing ability. Mm-hmm. He would know he could have picked a Caffit bird. Yeah. It's, uh... And he knows that a lo- a lo- it's a Lauren, because we've had yeah. that interaction already. He knows this is not a random Andalite. Mm-hmm. who could have been anywhere he knows this was a military person who has the morphing ability so yep it's i d- i 100 believe that viscer 3 would choose that morph in order to get under the andalite bandit's skin absolutely yeah no question uh, but like almost certainly he it would only it. work once yeah um but anyway. It's like if he chooses it again, it's definitely like, no, it, like, we thought about it after the initial reaction. Like, mm-hmm. no, can't do that. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they regroup at the barn later during the day with all the others. Um, and <laughs> we get the, the, the fun fact of uh, Marco and Rachel were just chilling. That's what humans call it. I believe it refers to the fact that when humans sit very still and do nothing, their body temperature drops. Thus, I love chilling. that so much. That <laughs> is perfect logic, oh, and I love it's it. So good. <laughs> it's not right, but it's good. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely wrong. Yeah, because well, we're yeah. not moving, but at the same time, it's like our body temperature doesn't drop enough for us to necessarily notice. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, Except the- when you're. Except when you're running around and it's warm and then you're actually, I'm just going to sit down and then I'll cool down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get the the nod to someday when he's too old to be a warrior, he wants to write a book about humans and their strange habits, um, which is just really cute. Like, mm-hmm. acts the human expert. Um, it's, it's so good. It's he's, good. Mm, funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. He goes on about how, you know, humans are kind of weird, seem kind of backward, but first of all, taste. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And second of all is they're very quick to adapt to things. Like, unreasonably quick. Yeah. That that is one thing that I, I I will give Axe as being very, very true. Is we we are very quick to adapt to situations mm-hmm. uh, because we have to mm-hmm. because you know what compared to some other things we evolved really fast. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the yeah. whole one of the things I say about why why was it Homo sapiens or whatever was so good at doing what it did was the creativeness, the ability to invent things, mm-hmm. like and tools. Yeah, well, it's um, like it. There were sixty years in between the first flight and landing on the moon. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, X is spacing out. Uh, Marco calls him on it and is like, anyway, uh, clearly Visser 3 just did this to get under your skin. Uh, like, he's sending a message. Um, and, hey, pal, while well, you're stuck here on Earth, I've been in and out of your house, hanging out with your buddies and eating your mom's cookies. Eric's <laughs> <laughs> like, my mom doesn't make cookies. But, like, <laughs> I do appreciate hearing that from Marco because the unspoken thing is, Mark, I mean, like, that's what I would do. <laughs> yep. I, I really like them, like, going down the list of various ways you can say that somebody's fucking with you. Yep. Mm, that's <laughs> just yanking your chain, chain, messing with your mind, jerking you around, trying to baffle you with, oh, never mind. <laughs> uh,. And Prince Jake is like, uh, the point is, we have two questions. How did he acquire the morph and why did he morph it to attack you? They kind of know the answer to the second one, at least. Um, and Cassie's like, uh, that's actually not the real question. We need to figure out what we're going to do with this motherfucker in the hospital. <laughs> yes, good, Cassie. <laughs> Cassie's staying on task. <laughs> Cassie understood the assignment. Mm. Uh, uh, Marco informs Axe that the Secret Service knows, quote unquote, a lot. I mean, they do. Yeah. So he's not wrong. Yeah, it's more it's, like the access that they have to places yes. is more the. Which is what um, Rachel points out. Yeah. Um, Marco has uh, the brilliant idea of, like, hang on, Rachel's right. Uh, HA third can talk to anybody, right? He can talk to his boss, right? So if he was to walk in and say, boss, guess what? Parasite slugs from outer space are invading Earth. Well, okay, they throw him in the nut house. But he, if he was to walk in and say, parasite slugs from outer space are invading Earth, and guess what? I can turn into a rhinoceros. And then he actually did turn into a rhinoceros. Well, suddenly, boom, the secret's out. The Yerks are screwed. So we've come again to, uh, the idea <sighs> of, well, we just need, we need to have some foolproof way to show everybody that this invasion is happening. Um, and so they're like, all right, well, uh, we, first of all, we have a rehash of the we don't morph humans argument. Uh, Cassie says, I thought we decided we don't do that. <laughs> I do. I like this from a writing thing because it's also... Uh, Cassie, as moral compass of the group, reminding, which is like, I thought we decided. Mm-hmm. Reminding everyone. Granted, she ain't right, and we're going to get into this, but K.A., and I'm trying to phrase this, like, d- she's fulfilling her role here. Yes. Yes. Um, and I'm- I think in... If it were any other argument... <laughs> mm. It would uh, make some more sense, but this this particular argument is just like it's Ford. on shaky it- foundation anyway, and it's just mm. the way that it's argued here is bad. bad. It rubs wrong because she's like, it's okay for Axe to morph people because Axe isn't human, 
And it's like, but he's still a sapient being. I see. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe Jason is because Axe turning into a human. If Axe was to turn into a different Andalite, I assumed mm-hmm. it was that was the framing of a thing. Because right. otherwise, yeah. is he with you, Hella? Like, why is it different for Axe in your mind mm-hmm. to more for human? And I see. I assume it. It's it bugs me. And then there's this whole thing about Jake because they talk about how. Um, Tobias is the one that reminds that Cassie morphed Rachel. Mm-hmm. Axe mentions about morphing Jake. And also it's like, well, Jake would have given his permission if he hadn't been infested. And Rachel did give me her permission. She did not. <laughs> I, I do appreciate Danielle getting <laughs> receipts and went and actually copied the text out. <laughs> she asked for forgiveness, which is different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and what thing okay, either way. That that uh, Marco does one out. Hey, he can't give you permission right now. He's in a coma. He uses shittier terminology, but what it basically boils down to is the guy's in a coma. It's not like we can ask. Mm-hmm. And Cassie's like, it doesn't matter. We don't have the right to steal his DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jason points out, look, we couldn't get in there anyway. And then, and this pisses me off even more. <laughs> Leaving aside the scientific issues, which we'll happily do, Cassie's point asks Axe. She also does the proviso of, I'm totally against this, but asks if it's possible to acquire DNA from human blood or from blood alone. Rachel is grossed out. She's like, Blood, we're going to get this guy's blood, not me and my friend. And this is the one that we talked about hepatitis, HIV. Uh uh-uh. uh. She just fucking like, knows that. Mm-hmm. And we discussed this beforehand. It's just, it's still like, okay. <laughs> yeah. My headcanon yeah. is that they had a talk about bloodborne pathogens in school, like, the mm-hmm. previous week. And so it's just like right there at the top of the dome. <laughs> it's like, we I have like a test that. on this on Friday and I'm just, I'm <laughs> on this. Yeah. Um, but Axe explains some nice hand wavy sci-fi bullshit. The acquiring process absorbs only DNA. So it, you wouldn't pick up a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, the DNA is isolated, in, encapsulated within your own bloodstream in a super low temperature and thus very stable and does start to go explaining, which is just very cute and good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know enough about biology to discuss, but like if they're absorbing your base DNA, eh, I don't know. Because we've talked about it before, um, just like if a morph has a genetic condition, Mm-hmm. you would get that along with the yeah. morph. So the the thing with morphing is that, like, it does not make sense if it's only DNA, full stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't work that way. Birds learn to fly. They don't just start out knowing how to fly. And You have it, to pick it, up some of the experiences along with it. Yeah, and like you pick up the instincts and stuff like that, which some of which are probably DNA-based or epigenetic-based. But a lot of them are things that, especially with the mammals, they're things that you learn from your parents. And yeah. it's just like, I don't... It, like it. Morphing does not make sense if it is strictly DNA. So yeah. the... The headcanon that I use and that a lot of other people use is like, okay, well, it's DNA plus some kind of scan of the brain. 
of of the the brain, the body, whatever. So mm-hmm. like if if there is some kind of injury uh that happened, like you had to get something amputated, then that wouldn't cross over because it it's not in your DNA and it's considered an injury, right? Um, yeah. but something like a genetic disease would. But also like Rachel's pierced ears don't close. Which doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense if it's DNA only. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh so or or the fact that they can morph clothes. Like it it doesn't There's more to it here, and I can mm-hmm. definitely argue that like Ax just doesn't really know what he's talking about. He knows part of the theory and that's it. Mm-hmm. And he we know he didn't pay attention in xenobiology class. <laughs> so like he he's working off of uh uh, not partial enough information. information. Partial. Thank you. Partial information, um, and 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 coming to an incorrect conclusion. It's like if somebody ambushed me in the street and was like, "Hey, do you know about X Y Z physics fact?" And I'd be like, "Give me an hour in the internet, and I'll tell you." But <laughs> mm-hmm. all I got for you right now is that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we, we we get this explanation and hand wavy bollocks that you can acquire a morph via blood. Now, right. I yeah, because actually, I'm going to get myself tied up and not like, what are you going to do with the blood when it's in the mosquito if you need access to the blood yep. as a pert? Yep. Okay. I'm going to yep. ignore that. Unless you yep. like purposely yep. just squished one of you as a mosquito and then the others. T- mm. oh, this is oh, bad. Like, like- is is the blood still like alive? It it wouldn't it be contaminated with like the mosquito? Yeah. Like, Any, yeah. All that but, aside, uh, that's just <laughs> occurring to me and I'm mad about it. Too <laughs> so bad. Stealing somebody's blood to acquire them as a morph is no more moral than doing it to the person directly. Yeah. You've just added extra steps. You cannot be objecting to one and go, well, actually, if you did it that way, I guess it's okay. Even though Cassie is given the line about I'm totally against this, but mm-hmm. this is bullshit. Yeah. That's There's like just some weird arbitrary line she's given herself. It's yeah, like, like KA, yeah. do better by Cassie, please. Yeah. yeah. Because that's a it's... bullshit distinction to make. Yeah. It's uh, Cassie realizes that she has lost the argument here, essentially. And is like, okay, well, this is how you would do it. Uh, because if, if we were to vote on this, I would be outvoted, I guess. Um, but, like, K.A. will write themselves into a corner uh, mm-hmm. with these morals. Um, and because Cassie's the moral center, like, she has to argue these weird stances because the authors didn't think through them to begin with. Mm-hmm. And like all of the implications of those things, and like exactly what they're, they're where they're drawing the line, and so and I understand this is a book out of eighteen others that they have written. At this point, they're writing one a month. They're not thinking that far ahead. I get it. However, it's it, still like eh. it makes Cassie look like a dumbass. And oh, it, it almost worse. It makes her look yeah. um, not morally bankrupt, but like morally. Sh- 
I'm just thinking of that John Mulaney quote, you have the moral backbone of a chocolate Of a chocolatey Claire. Claire. <laughs> Claire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you but have it's... the moral backbone of a mm. chocolatey Claire. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. like, it's unfair. Mm-hmm. To label, uh, to label, label all of that onto a character and then do a bad job of it. Yes. Yeah. Let's let them yes. be good at the role that you've put them in. Yes. And this is like, fu- so, this is so fucking stupid as a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the plan is to acquire a mosquito morph and go suck some blood. <laughs>